introduce myself. My name is Ho. Ho. H to the OV. I used to move snowflakes by the OZ. I guess even back then you can call me CEO of the ROC. Ho. Fresh out the frying pan into the fire. I be the music man's number one supplier. Fly it in a piece of paper. Welcome. To another episode, a new episode of the Amatelli Like a T.I. Is podcast with your host, yours surely, Jai Shields, here on this Tuesday, November the 1st, the year 2022. Lots to do, lots to discuss here on this first show of the month of November, the Week 8 recap, as always, not to mention the World Series, believe it or not, resumes tonight. Uh, after a rain out on Monday, we'll get into that, uh, and we'll delve in a little bit with the uh, trade deadline that is coming on for the uh, NFL for the 2022 NFL season. But where we will begin uh, first and foremost is with the disgrace, the embarrassment. And the national shit show that my Cincinnati Bengals objected America to last night. The Cincinnati Bengals are pathetic. They are disgusting. They are inept. They are flat. They are lethargic. They are uninspiring. They are dull. They are boring. And they make me sick. Okay, they make me sick. And I don't know what the hell convinced me back in September. Maybe it's the fact that I was too much in my feelings and too bent out of shape that everybody, their mother is picking a Buffalo Bills to go to the Super Bowl. It's the fanboy in me being a fan of this team for the last 15 years. I don't, I don't know what. And what in the world on God's green planet convinced me that the Cincinnati Bengals were going to not just win the Super Bowl, but go back to the Super Bowl, go back to the AFC Championship game, and win the AFC Championship game. I don't know what in my right mind, I, I, I must have been, been inebriated, what in my right mind thought, huh, I'm picking this team to win the Super Bowl this year. And here it is, I was like, you know what, if you pick this team to go to Super make the win the Super Bowl, it's gonna be like all the other teams in the years past that you've picked to go to the Super Bowl, and when you pick them, you basically it's the kiss of death and you jinx them and and they don't end up going back. Last year I picked Bucks and Chiefs on purpose to make sure that we wouldn't get a rematch of Brady versus Mahomes. Me thinking for once in my life, you know, the it's gonna work the other way and we'll get Bucks and Chiefs. Lo and behold, again, it didn't work. Both the Chiefs blew the championship lead to my Bengals back in January, and the Buccaneers comeback fell short against the Rams. Year before that, who did I pick in Super Bowl the year before that? I picked uh, the I picked the Ravens and I picked the Saints. Saints couldn't couldn't Saints beat the living hell out of Tampa in 2020. What happens? They get bounced by Tampa in their building, albeit no fans, in in 2020 in the divisional round. Ravens same deal. Ravens don't win their division. Pittsburgh does, and the Ravens get bounced in the first, in the second round by Buffalo. Lamar Jackson has a concussion. Offense doesn't show up. 
Josh Allen and literally makes one pass play and it was all the Buffalo Bills defense and that champion and that Super Bowl prediction didn't work out. So it's so me thinking that listen me as 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 a man that go as a man that goes to church as a man that wakes up and wakes up on most mornings I grant you wakes up most mornings and and and, and prays to God and thanks the good Lord for allowing me to wake up to see another day. And and as I get older, my faith has has gotten stronger, and and it's developed more and more over the years. So I've gotten older throughout my, throughout my what they call Christian walk in my life as as a as a as a twenty year old young adult. I I I, I kind of lean and veer away from the voodoo and the superstitions and all that other sort of stuff. So, but so me thinking, you know what? There's no such thing as jinxes, no such thing as superstitions. You know me, you know it's it, it's no such thing. Man, I go Christian. No, no jinxes and, and jinxes and 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 and, and, and curses. Uh, uh-uh, doesn't exist. No, 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 doesn't exist. I, I, I can't sit up there and call it a jinx me pick. No, so I said, you know what? I'm gonna take a leap of faith. I'm gonna take a leap of faith and pick my Cincinnati Bengals to go to and win the Super Bowl. I'm gonna pick them to make it back. I'm gonna pick it, and I'm going to pick them to win it. Nobody else was picking them. Everybody was was pick. Everybody and their mother was picking the Buffalo Bills. Some was picking the the Chargers. Some was picking Kansas City. I'm gonna pick my Cincinnati Bengals. Some people were picking the Ravens. I am going to go with my Cincinnati Bengals. They're a Super Bowl contender for the first time in my lifetime, like legit Super Bowl contenders heading into the season. I'm going to pick them to go and go to and win the Super Bowl. And then this season happened. And then the week one loss against Pittsburgh. And then the week two loss against Dallas. And then the week five loss against the Ravens. And then last night. That was one of the most pathetic, heartless, gutless, spineless performances I have ever seen from this football team. One of the most gutless, heartless, spineless performances I have ever seen in my years of watching Cincinnati Bengals football. They flat out embarrassed themselves in front of America. They embarrassed themselves. And I swear to good Lord, if Zach Taylor doesn't pull his head out of his ass and find a way to get this team to stop playing like crap against inferior competition, I swear you're going to have to pray for me because I, I, I cannot last the rest of the season, let alone this, this competitive period with Burrow, Chase, Boyd, and Higgins on the cheap with this man being out the lunch. I, 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 I can't take it. I'm not going to be able to take it anymore. I'm not going to be able to take it. I am not going to be able to take it. I'm not going to be understanding. I'm not. Because there is literally zero excuses to have to have to have three out of your four losses this this season against inferior back up quarterbacks. They didn't lose to Terry Bradshaw, uh, uh, Roger Staubach, and Otto Graham. They lost to Jacoby Brissett. Cooper Rush and Mitch Trubisky. Are you kidding me? 
making every single one of those quarterbacks out to be Hall of Famers. Mitch Trubisky got benched for Kenny Pickett a few weeks ago. My Bengals made him out to be Terry Bradshaw. Cooper Rush was just is filling in a spot because that Prescott was hurt on back-to-back drives. He moved the Cowboys up and down the field and scored touchdowns. Their final drive of regulation in week two, what happens? Takes the ball, drives down the field a little, a little gallop, a little CeeDee Lamb, a little Dalton Schultz, game-winning field goal, Brett Maher to win the game. And then last night, we let Jacoby Brissett, who stinks, no disrespect to him, but who stinks, who, like Cooper Rush, is a placeholder because their quarterback is unavailable. Deshaun Watson suspended. And what happens? My big man, Cincinnati Bengals defense, the first defense since 1934 Detroit Lions to not allow a touchdown through the first seven games of the season in the second half. Oh, uh, uh, shove it. This overrated defense allowed Jacoby Brissett to go 17 to 22, 278 yards, one touchdown pass, and got ran out of the building by Nick Chubb. Ran out of the building. Ran out of the building. He's still running. I understand. They're missing one of their best interior defensive linemen. Their best run stopper. It's no excuse. Falcons ran the football pretty well. They were able to stop him last week, so what's the difference here? I understand Nick Chubb's one of the best running backs in all of football, but damn. And you knew it. You knew it, you knew it, you knew it. And another thing, I, I it's enough with the NFL scheduling the Bengals on Halloween, okay? Every single, this is the second straight year now, the, when we play on Halloween and all the, 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 the fluky, inexplicable horse, horse garbage just manifests itself all over the football field, turnovers left and right, losing to, losing to inferior opponents you can't pick out of a lineup. It was Mike White last year. This year is Cooper set. That's enough of playing on Halloween, okay? I don't give a crap that the Bengals have cool helmets and they share the Halloween colors. Stop playing on Halloween. Every single time they play on Halloween, they do nothing but lose. And you knew it as soon as that little Fluky-ass interception that ball through on the opening drive. Miles Garrett gets his long arms up in the air, tips the pass, and who of all people catches the ball? I understand not the same person, no relation, but cornerback for the Cleveland Browns by the name of A.J. Green. I mean, you, 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 you cannot make this up. You knew it from then. Then it's like, I was like, oh, God, it's only one of those nights. Then the Browns march down the field, try to kick a field goal, boom, blocked. Then it's like, okay, now we got, okay, now we got something here. Bengals get the ball on it. Bengals get the ball in their next position. Six plays, they move three yards. 
three yards and punt the football. Three. Cleveland gets the ball right back at their own 31-yard line off of a shitty punt from Kevin Huber, who needs to go. Kevin Stefanski reaches in his big old it reaches into his little bag of tricks, and you can see why the Cleveland Browns fans wanted to burn him at the stake. They sit up here running, <laughs> running wide receiver reverse passes with Amari Cooper for God's sakes. I mean, holy crap, Amari, throw it away! My goodness gracious, please! I mean, he, I could have caught that interception for crying out loud. Two plays, Amari Cooper. Here you go, uh, here, here you go, Von Bell. Give me, give me interception, trick or treat. Here's your treat. Here, here's your, here's your box of candy. I said, okay, well, we got a blocked field goal. D Von Bell got an INT. Defense keeping, keeping us in the game. Maybe, we, maybe we might win in spite of our own offensive ineptitude for a change. Maybe. Maybe, maybe, we, maybe we'll win. Maybe we'll win, you know, Faust Wood is going to be 17, 14, 13, 13, nothing, 7, nothing, uh, 10, 3. Maybe, maybe we'll win one of those defensive slugout games. Maybe. Maybe, 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 maybe. Boy, was I an idiot for thinking so. Because the Bengals get the ball right back, three plays, six yards, punt the football. It's 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 ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Browns gets the ball right back, three and out. Bengals get the ball, three plays, eight yards, punt. It ain't even like that they're moving the ball downfield. That you know that they're that they're getting unlucky. No, it's like they get the ball and the offense literally is stuck in neutral where they don't move. They throw the ball behind the line of scrimmage, at the line of scrimmage, or two yards in front of the line of scrimmage, and essentially go nowhere. Screen passes to Mixon. Screen passes to 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 to, to, to Higgins. It's it's just enough. They took forever to get Hayden Hurst involved in the game. It's just, it's just sickening. I understand that, that the connection that, that Burrow has with Jamar Chase is, is a connection between quarterback and wide receiver, which we haven't seen in a long time. But my goodness gracious, is he all of this offense? Joe Mix is a Pro Bowl running back. Where the hell has he been this season? Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, I mean, just nothing. And then every single time Joe Burrow drops back the pass, he has to worry about the human turnstile, a.k.a. quote-unquote left tackle, John Williams, allowing Miles Garrett just to breeze on past his ass. And every single time you look, Joe Burrow's getting his face pounded into the first energy stadium grass. And then it's like, oh, let's audible and get Samaji P. Ryan or get Joe Mixon to help pass protect. They can't even do that right. So if you can't run the football, you can't you, you, you can't pass protect. I mean, what are we doing here? Hey, come on. This Cleveland Browns defense is one of the worst run defenses in the National Football League. Yet the Bengals somehow, some way. Somehow, someway, leave it to them, they ran as a team 10 carries for 36 yards. I mean, you have got to be kidding me!
And the run immediately, Zach, is not automatically, you know, give the ball off to Joe Mixon. It is going to bust the game open with a 30-yard carry. The ground game wasn't working immediately for Cleveland. But you know what Cleveland did? They stuck with it. In between whatever the hell I saw with the Amari Cooper interception, they stuck with the run. They stuck with the run. They say you. They say you know what? Their miss. Their, their run defense isn't all that great. We're gonna pound the rock and we're gonna continue to wear them down. Unless they do what they did to Atlanta and run up and down the fields and score touchdowns in bunches every single time they touch the ball. As long as we keep them out of the end zone on the defensive side of the football, the running, we're going to be able to run the football on these guys. Eventually, we're going to wear them down. We're going to wear them down. We're going to impose where we're going to bring in six, seven offensive linemen. And we are going to run the football and cram it right down their throats into submission. As long as the defense, where, where the Cleveland's defense, that is, was going to continue to do their job, which in obvious cases, they were able to do. They stuck with it. And they kept on running the football and wearing the Bengals' defense down until they grinded them into dust. Zach Turner run doesn't work. Let's have Jabril drop back and throw the football 30 times. And they sit up here and scratch your head and say, oh, why is Jabril getting sacked all the time? Miles Garrett, why? why? Miles Garrett is every single time he's, he's always on Jabril's back. How about running the football more? If you run the football once in a while, maybe Joe Burrow wouldn't be getting his teeth smashed in sideways. Getting sacked five times. Are you serious? And why is it in the offseason, every single part of the Bengals offensive line changed except for the left tackle? Do we not learn anything from the Super Bowl? Anything. And why is every single time this team goes up against top-tier exterior pass rushers, they, they look like the, their offense is, is, is resembling of the Denver Broncos, where they can't move the ball down the field worth a damn. Aaron Donald, nothing. T.J. White, nothing. Michael Parsons, nothing. When can this team actually play a top-tier pass rusher and actually be able to move the football up and down the field on them? When? And I'll sit up here and tell me, what well, a seven chance. It's wide open. They're four and four. You never know. Bullcrap. Okay? The teams that they've beaten, the Atlanta Falcons, the Saints, the Jets led by Joe Flacco, which is a totally separate team than outside of the Jet team we saw on Sunday against the Patriots. They're a totally separate football team. The Jets with Joe Flacco and the Miami Dolphins after they just watched their quarterback get caught off in a stretcher, on a stretcher, with Teddy Two Gloves at quarterback. I mean, Really? As the defending AFC champions, that's your body of work damn near a halfway point into the season. Be beating beating Teddy Bridgewater, the Dolphins, the Falcons, 
the Saints, and a Joe Flacco-led Jets team. I mean, and you guys want to be taken seriously as AFC contenders now, and Super Bowl contenders, and want to be thought of as the third best team in the AFC, and a team that can give the Ravens a run for their money to win the AFC North. I mean, you must, with that, with that resume, you must, you must be joking yourselves right now. You must, you must be kidding me. Good to great football teams don't lose to trash on a week-in, week-out basis. They kick their tail up and down the field until the clock hits triple zero. Like the Eagles do. Like the Bills do. Like the Chiefs do. They don't lose the garbage and make it and make a habit out of it. Losing to the Browns every single year. Leave it, to, leave it to Zach Taylor to make Kevin Stefanski, who the Browns fans wanted to hang an effigy after the Raven game two weeks ago, leave it to him to make Kevin Stefanski out to be the second coming of Paul Brown. He gets outcoached thoroughly in circles by this guy. Constantly. Stefanski's playing chess and Zach Taylor's playing Connect Four. And look at the and if you honestly think for one second that the Bengals have a still have a chance in hell to win this division, look at their schedule. They play Tennessee. You see how many yards Derrick Henry ran for against the Houston Texans on Sunday? They play Tennessee. They play Buffalo. They play Kansas City. Cleveland again. And Tampa. And that's before the Week 18 game against the Ravens, which at this point in time right now won't even mean anything. They're 0-3 within the division, which means the best they can finish within the division is 3-3 with a split against Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Baltimore. The best they can finish within the division is 3-3, which when it comes to tiebreakers between them and Baltimore, that matters. You see, you see the Ravens' cakewalk of a schedule they have remaining? They don't have a team remaining on their schedule for the remainder of the year with a record above 500. And I get it, you know, the Ravens, you never know, Harbaugh sometimes out the lunch just like Zach Taylor, but still. Not to mention, oh, by the way, the Ravens went out there and added to their defense and traded for Roquan Smith. What are the Bengals doing? What do they do? When Tajobe Awuzi is out for the year with the torn ACL, they need their, their run defense is average at best, to put it kindly, and their left tackle is a turnstile, and they have no Jamar Chase for the next three, four weeks. What do they do? They sat on their hands and did nothing.
This is not overreaction. This isn't me being dramatic. It's me being an honest fan and sharing my feelings, pouring my heart out onto you all. This is how I feel. This Cincinnati Bengals team stinks. And I don't care that they made it to a freaking Super Bowl last year. I don't. I could care freaking less. That is a distant memory. That is last season's news. I, I don't care about the Super Bowl anymore. I don't. I care more about what this team in 2022 is doing right now and make sure that they can get back to a Super Bowl. Because at the rate it's going, it looks like they are going to be on their asses at home watching the Super Bowl. You can't be this bad. 0-3 within the division, Zach, really? How many times do I have to sit down and watch your pathetic football team come out flat, deadheaded, uninspiring, unenthused, just lacking any semblance of championship fire? How many times? Every single time, Joe Burrow, here I come to save the day with the high-end talent to bear your high butts out and, and climb your way out of a hole that you guys dig yourselves in. It seems like every single time I turn around and sit down and watch y'all play, every single time you gotta, you gotta dig yourself out of a hole that you created. You got to climb yourself up back up out of the hole, dig your, take yourselves out of the hole, brush yourselves off, and then all of a sudden start to get serious and realize, oh, wait, we're playing in a football game. And sort of just sleepwalking through the first half of these games like you've done ad infinitum all season long. Outside of the game against the Falcons. Enough's enough. Enough's enough. Because right now, you all don't, and they, and they don't want to hear it. And I want to sit up in here about this garbage, but oh, it's still time. I got faith. Faith without works is dead, guys. It's still time. We got faith. I got belief. Blah, 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 blah. Enough. Okay? Enough. I'm tired of lip surface. Go out there and just execute. Enough talk. Just play. Just play. I, I, enough, enough yammer. Enough jibber jab. Just, just, just shut up and play. I, 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 I hate the, I hate to, uh, I, I hate to sound so, 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 so crass and so blunt, but just play. Zach, just coach. Enough. Just coach. Just coach. Just not saying after the game, we just weren't good. We just, quote, just not good enough in any phase. Zach, you lost by three touchdowns. How you mean just not good enough? Just not good enough is your losses is, is your losses where you lost by a field goal. You got punked on national television. They're going to sit up here with the hoods. We're talking about just not good enough. Really? Now he's going to sit up here. 
after after the win against the Falcons, going to sit up there with the temerity, the audacity, the nerve, the chutzpah, the unmitigated gall, the balls to sit up there and then talk about where were you all and what did I say, what did I tell about being patient after the Falcon loss and you sit up there and you subject your fan base and America to that shit show we sat up there and watched last night, Zach. You, are you, are you for real right now? Are you kidding me? He's going to sit up there on his high horse and, and puff his chest out like he did something. Beating the Atlanta Falcons going to talk about, I told you all to be patient. And then six days later, subject us to that garbage. You guys wonder why I want this clown out of my face. The Bengals made it to Super Bowl last year in spite of him. Not because of him, in spite of him. And if he doesn't check his ego or do something, this team is doomed. Long term doomed. Back with more right after this. Welcome back to the Amatillite Like It Is podcast. Switching gears now to the uh, action that took place on Sunday in the week eight recap. Uh, and we will begin with an interesting game that, you know, and we had previewed it on Friday last time uh, we uh, kibitzed, as uh, Mikey and the OC loves to say, that old Yiddish word that means, you know, chopping it up, talking, exchanging conversation. Uh, and that was the Falcons and Panthers game, a game that the winner of was going to decide who was going to hold first place in the, in the NFC South with the uh, Buccaneers' loss to the Ravens uh, last Thursday night. Uh, and we will begin with that and have that be item number one here to begin this segment. Uh, first of all, what a good football game that was. That was a thrilling, entertaining, uh, and just an, and compelling ball game to watch. Uh, g- give Marcus Mariota uh, credit. I mean, he played. Ex- I think he played extremely well. The stats certainly show that 20 of 28, 253, three touchdown passes, threw two interceptions, and uh, got sacked twice. But 
I think he played very well through the football, exponentially well. Uh, they were able to run the football decently. Huntley, 16 carries, 91 yards on the ground. Finally, the the the, the Falcons, I mean, you spent a first-round draft pick on this guy, one of, one of the best tight ends of his draft class out of University of Florida. Why not, here's an idea, feed him and throw him the football more. They got Kyle Pitts involved. He was the uh, Falcons' leading receiver on Sunday with five receptions, 80 yards, and a touchdown catch off of uh, off of nine targets. So he had a he had a, a very productive afternoon. The Panthers on the offensive side of the football. We told you they were going to run the football. Uh, they were going to try their best to run the football down the Falcons' throats, uh, like we discussed on Friday, and in which they were able to do against the. Uh, Against the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, their game, you know, the uh, Panthers game prior in Week Seven, and they did exactly that. They, as a team, ran for 169 yards, which a hundred with 118 of them uh, coming off the uh, coming from the uh, legs of Dante Foreman, who ran for 118 yards on 26 carries and three touchdowns. On the on the afternoon, P.J. Walker did not play great. 19 of uh, thir- 19 of 36. Had an interception, uh, but he did make the throw that was that was the the you know his best throw of the day when the Panthers needed it most was the Hail Mary uh, completion he made to uh, DJ Moore who which uh, which would have been a which would have been a game winning touchdown had not now delve into this within the next ten seconds uh, it would have been a game winning touchdown if Eddie Pinera was able to make the. Uh, the go-ahead and game-winning extra point. And let me just get to that right now. You know, if you're DJ Moore, that is a horrendous, egregious, undisciplined, stupid, asinine mistake. You cannot, under any circumstances... I understand it's and it's not the first time it's happened, you know, that it's happened before. But I can understand if it's like a, if it's a Stefan Diggs situation where it's a merit where it's where we and don't get me wrong, it was a miracle play. I mean I mean it was it was it left your jaw on the floor watching it, you know, when you saw it live. So don't give me, don't misinterpret. But I could see if it was like a Stefan Diggs situation where it's a playoff game home game and the clocks are triple and the clocks are triple zeros where the touchdown in and of itself wins the game for you where you don't need an extra point or a two point conversion to tie the game or win the game you know you get down 28 24 you score a miracle touchdown with you know with like uh, 5 seconds or less left on the clock or no time left you know you can throw you can throw your helmet into the upper deck for for all that matters because the extra point doesn't mean anything. Thus, you know the after the Stefan they, they after the Stefan Diggs catch they they put the rule in place where when it's where where a touchdown is scored at the end of the fourth quarter unless the extra point a two point conversion factors into factors into the decision of the game what you know tying it and having and putting the game in overtime or the extra point or two point conversion winning a game for a team they don't have to they don't have to line up to kick the extra point or option to go for a two point conversion for you know like my scenario you're down 20 24 you, you score a miracle touchdown with no time left you know the final score of the game the final score of the game is 30 28 
You don't have to kick. You don't have to. You don't have to kick your, kick the extra point or go for two because then because it doesn't mean anything as far you know it, it doesn't decide the game. The touchdown decides the game. So I I could meet DJ Moore halfway if it was that set of circumstances and that and that certain scenario where you know where a playoff game at home touchdown you scores. Put you out in front, no time left. I get it. You take your helmet off, throw it. Do you know with Diggs? He did. He caught it. Took his took it. Took his helmet off. Threw it across the end zone and basked in the glory. And he won't ever have to pay for another meal in Minnesota ever again. Uh, and if he does the same thing for the Buffalo Bills, he basically built him a statue. But anyway, I'm getting off the beaten path. I digress. I can meet him halfway if it was that situation. But the fact that he did it. When the when the when the Panthers still had to kick it, kick the extra point to win the game officially to 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 win the game, and the fact that he did it and it caught and it cost this team. I mean that that is that's unforgivable. That is it with well with they left him with twelve seconds left, but that's unforgivable. I mean, what did did he think that? I mean, obviously the touchdown is going to count because it's a after the play is over type of penalty. But what he think? He thought he thought all oh, the Panthers going are going to let him kick the forty seven yard extra point from the fifteen from the fifteen something yard. What I forget where they kick the extra point with the yard the yard line. It might be the fifteen. I can't remember. But anyway, they'll have him kick the easy extra point, but they'll have him move back on the on the ensuing kickoff. Why? Come on, DJ. Come on. I mean, yeah, and not just and factor in that factoring the factoring the fact that it was that the Panthers, if he doesn't toss his helmet, Pinheiro, let's say for a second conversation, he makes the extra point. The Panthers win the game. They're in first place. They hold the tiebreaker as of the moment for now over Tampa Bay. And Steve Wilkes, who got a, who got a raw deal, his last head coaching job with the Arizona Cardinals, this may affect him, his job, his family, and his future coaching a National Football League. He wants a job. He wants to be a head coach. He does a good job and finds a way to get this team to the playoffs, albeit they're in the midst of them rebuilding and building for the future. He gets them into the playoffs, winning the division, hosting a home play, having a home playoff game with a with a seven and ten, eight and nine record at best. He he keep, he he keeps his job with PJ Walker at quarterback with Sam Darnold and Mayfield wrestling on the bench he keeps his job and probably resurrects his NFL coaching career but that one decision that one ill-advised uh unwise just dopey decision to take his helmet off jump into the stands and me 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 love me some me attitude after he scores a touchdown it cost the Panthers the game, and and depending on how the Panthers bounce back from this, how they play against my Bengals next week, it could derail their season. Not the season has been derailed already, but they could be three and five and in first place. Now they're two and six, and it essentially makes it a two-team race between Atlanta and Tampa for the South. And basically guarantees, and I believe the Saints are three and five as well, and puts and puts the Panthers 
into the into the basement and all but seals their fate. In the craziest of, of chances and in the craziest possibility, they could rebuild, blow it up, tank, and make the playoffs. That's all out the door now. With the, with with DJ Moore's ass nine mistake, you can't do that. Keep your hel- catch the ball, keep your helmet on, just look up, do whatever, you, but make sure you keep your helmet on. What what exactly? Like I, I, I that I don't understand. I understand, you know, football is, you know, where football is the only sport where where like, you know, where where you're like a gladiator out there on the field because you can't because you can't see your face because you got a helmet on and and a face mask and a shield, you know, hiding your face, whatever. But I don't understand the narrative. Let me catch let me catch the ball, and my first instinct is to take off my helmet. Everybody knows who caught the pass. They know your jersey number. They they you can see your last name plated across your back. We know who made the touchdown catch. Okay, we don't we don't need to get a to, we don't need a headshot to be reminded that DJ Moore caught caught the miracle hail mary with the game on the line. What happens? Catches the ball, takes his helmet off. Fifteen yard penalty moves Pinero back. He of course shanks the PAT. And the Panthers end up losing the game by a final score of 37-34. I mean, that's that's just embarrassing. And the thing is, you can't blame it on Steve Wilkes because he wasn't the head coach during training camp, during OTAs, mini camp. He wasn't he wasn't the man in charge during this past offseason back in the summertime that 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 instilled this in his players. That was Matt Rule's responsibility. Matt Rule ain't there no more. He's not. He's not the boss no more. He's not the head coach anymore. So you can't blame it on Wilkes. Well, it seems undisciplined. Don't know the rules. Not now. No. DJ Moore should know the rules. He gets penalized for doing that in college. Why in the world would he think some it would be different in the NFL? It's not Wilkes' fault. A. It was a miracle play. B, he was in the position of authority to go to up and down a depth chart during training camp and say, hey, don't take your helmet off when you score a big-time clutch touchdown late in games. That, that, could, that could move the extra point back 15 yards, and all of a sudden we're playing with fire. when well, we need the extra point to either prolong the game or win it for us. So you can't blame it on him. Really, really disappointing. As are the uh, Detroit Lions, and you know what? Silly me for uh, silly me for uh, for 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 uh, for buying into the Detroit Lions type this season. I mean, Lord have mercy! This defense stinks. One of the worst defenses, not the worst defense in the National Football League. They gave up, you look at the numbers, they gave up 476 total yards of offense that Miami had. They ex- executed on 27 first downs. They were 8 of 12 on third down. They ran the football, hundred. they ran for 107 rushing yards. Okay? The Dolphins were 3-3 three and three inside the red zone. And two attack Valoa, 29 of 36, 382, no interceptions, three touchdowns. Tyree killed 12 receptions for 188 yards. Jalen Waddell, eight receptions, 106. 
I understand, and we'll get to the Dolphins here in a minute. I understand that that offense is high-flying, high-powering, waddle and hell, two fastest, most explosive receivers in football. They can turn a they can turn a three-yard gain into a ninety-three-yard gain at the drop of a hat. But still, this this Lions defense is 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 that right deplorable? I mean, the Lions were up in this game. Believe it or not, the Lions were up in this game. 21 to 7 and got outscored throughout the remainder of the game got outscored twenty four to seven the remainder of the game twenty four to seven they are out to a twenty one to seven lead and got outscored twenty four to seven from there on out Got outscored in the second half, fourteen to nothing. I mean, how I just that 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 that's horrendous. And Dan Campbell, man, I mean, the 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 inspiring stories is nice. He's a likable guy, hard not to hard to root against. But I I I'm sorry, you you got to give me better than that. I understand the Dolphins are a good football team. But the, your defense cannot be that inept. You had them on the ropes 21-7. to And your offense could score, but one touchdown the rest of the game, he gave up 24 points. Adams scored 24-7. We had a 21-7 lead up two scores. Gave up 29 points to New England two weeks prior. 28 points, Minnesota. 27 against Washington. 38 against Philly. I mean... Teams often opposing offenses. It's 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 they can move the ball up and down the field on on the Detroit Lions in their sleep. They're that bad on defense. In their sleep, they can't get after the they can't get after the quarterback and their secondary is Swiss cheese. Their secondary is Swiss cheese. Got got no no playmakers. Nobody that can take over a game. No ball hawks. Hutchinson, rookie, granted, but it's nobody on defense. One of the worst talented defensive rosters in the National Football League, and it showed very much on Sunday. Meanwhile, and another thing with the Dolphins, with with the Lions, before I get to the Dolphins side of things, on a fourth and two, and this is the part you know where Dan Campbell's got to take some hits here as a head coach. He's got to pay attention. On fourth and two, with three minutes left in the fourth quarter. Why in the hell are you throwing? Or are you having Jared Goff throw the ball deep into the end zone trying to get a touchdown? It's fourth and two with three minutes left in the fourth quarter. Fourth and two with three minutes left in the fourth quarter. Dan Campbell. I mean, let me and let me look up what the score was. The score was thirty-one twenty-seven. It was thirty-one twenty-seven Miami. You were down four points. With three minutes left in the fourth quarter, fourth and two, you got the you got the ball. When Miami has all three of their timeouts, plus two minute warning, which makes it four. Throw in the fact that your defense has been a sieve all afternoon, and you're going and you're trying to go for the gusto and score a touchdown. Which even if you get it, the Dolphins just going to get the more times more likely than not. The Dolphins just going to get the ball back anyway. Use the three timeouts. Plus a two-minute warning, take their sweet time, run the clock out, and just go down the field and score. Even if 
that passes caught in the end zone. So I don't get the philosophy. You get the you get the two yards. You get the two yards, two and a half, three, four, five yards. You get you 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 don't sit up here and and and, and go for the gusto and try to and try to bite off a, a huge a huge piece of steak. You take your fork and knife and you slice it up and you slowly but surely eat it as you go along. You wear it down. When you're when you're a baby learning how to learning how to you learning how to uh, you know learning how to walk, you don't get up and start and you're crawling. You don't get up and start trying to do wind sprints. One you one step, one foot, one foot in front of the other. And you take the baby steps. So when you start walking in a rhythm, then you learn how to run, and then you take off from there. Fourth and two, three minutes left. Get the first down. As far as the Dolphins are concerned, listen, as long as they have two attack Valoa behind center, a Dolphins are going to be a force to be reckoned with. 29-36, 382, Tyree Kill and, and, and Waddle. Boy, what a season they've 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 uh they've uh they've had together. Just a sensational job by them. That team though, and it's and it's like that with any quarterback, but Tua really. That the confidence, the 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 level of encouragement and and, and, and just the pride that in which they play with when Tua's out on the field is different than when you have Teddy Bridgewater. They have Teddy Bridgewater. This team, this team is all defense and hope on a chicken wing and a prayer they can generate some offense. But when two is behind center, this offense is as good as any in the NFL. Good as any. And un, and unlike this next receiver who I'm going to talk about right now, for now it looks like that it's been a good return on Tyree Kill's investment playing with the Dolphins. Granted, you know, Kansas City's been able to move one. It looks like fine without him. The only one game where it looks like that they desperately missed him was their loss against Indianapolis. But they've they they've they've played well but Kansas City, you know, they've been able to move on and play well without him. And what, Kansas City is only and Kansas City's only two games better than Miami in the loss column. But relatively Tyree Kill looks like if the Dolphins keep this up, they could be uh, playing. And Tyree Kill might not miss a might might not miss a season of playing in the playoffs. As the championship game, different story. But at the way it's going right now, he could be making a re, a, a return to playing uh, playoff football come uh, once the new year rolls around. And not and but, you know looks like again returning his investment and going to the. Uh, Miami Dolphins. And I don't like you cannot say the same for Devontae Adams and the uh, Vegas Raiders, who 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 are just a terrible, terrible football team. Je- I mean, I, how many times I sat up here and told you guys that that the Vegas Raiders were not going to were not going to be any good in a large part because be, because I can't trust their coach to, with with the fate of the universe on the line. You can't do it. Josh Daniels, Josh McDaniel, McDaniel's is not. Under any circumstances, a NFL head coach. He left the Colts at the altar. He fizzled with the Denver Broncos, and not to mention, 
it also it, it all plays into account. He's a part of Belichick coaching tree, and Bill Belichick's assistant coaches do not make great NFL head coaches. Whether it be Charlie Weiss, whether it be uh, whether it be uh, 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 what's his name, the uh, guy from uh, Detroit with the uh, pencil between his ear, Matt Matt Patricia, you name it. They don't, uh, Patriots, Bill, Bill O'Brien literally is the best one that's come out of the, that's come out of Belichick's tree, the best one by default almost, and even, but then you remember the situation in which he left the Houston Texans in. So, I mean, it's, it's he, he stinks. I mean, one. If you're going to, if you're Josh McDaniels, if you're gonna go for it, fourteen twenty three left in the second quarter, and you got the when you have your ball at your own forty four yard line. If you're gonna go for it, send your offensive players out there and just go for it. What the hell are you doing with trying to get cute running a with a fake punt run? What are you doing? If you're, if it's especially especially with that short distance, if you're gonna go for it, just go for it. Just go for it. Why are you trying to get too cute and try to finagle? No. Just go for it with your offense. Why are we running fake punts? Just terrible, man. Terrible. Offense more often than not this season. I mean, let me, I mean, this is the guy, you know, offensive guy with the page. I mean, let me, let me reach on the amount of points that they've scored this season. The, the amount of points. I mean, they've been okay. 19 points, 23, 22, 20, 20 something. I mean, that's pedestrian. 22 points. That's pedestrian. Pedestrian. Many of opportunities to beat the Chiefs failed to do so. Couldn't beat Tennessee on the road. Lost to them late. And then a struggling Tennessee team that couldn't buy a win. I mean, it's just they blew a lead in overtime to the Cardinals in week two. Just bad. And got shut out on Sunday. Shut out. Couldn't generate any offense. Derek Carr, enough of him. Derek Carr, one of the most overrated quarterbacks in the National Football League heading into the season. I told you guys that the that the that the that the Raiders heading into the season were going to finish in last place by default by the fact that that they have the worst before Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson came onto the scene. I grant you, but had the worst heading into the season, the worst quarterback. Head coach combination out of all four teams in the AFC West. They had the worst one by default. And if you're going off a of win loss record, technically they still do. Two and five, yet to win a game on the road this season. Derek Carr stinks. Derek Carr is overrated. What you see is what you get. He did not bring his team home. Didn't week 18. Didn't bring his team home against Cincinnati back in January. 15-26 on Sunday, 101, one interception, got sacked three times. That's garbage. That's garbage. They have no playmakers play on defense outside of Max Crosby. That's an anemic, bad defense. Overrated heading into the season. Head coach overrated and stinks. 
quarterback overrated and stinks. And Devontae Adams, if he isn't learning this lesson now, I don't know when he'll learn it. The grass isn't always greener on the other side. Yes, it's Vegas. Yes, it's warmer weather. It's better climate. And you're making more money. But was it worth it? Was it worth it? I know state income tax. I get that. But was it worth it? Sometimes the grass isn't always green on the other side. It all varies on your perspective and where you water it. And when you go out there and you chase every nickel off the and you and you chase every dollar and you take every nickel off the table, sometimes this is this this is your reward. You you're playing on a two and five Raiders team that's going nowhere but down. And a, and a season that's in free fall. Free fall. At, and we will close this segment with the Patriots and the Jets. The Patriots twenty win 22-17. And I'll tell you something right now. And I watched this game closely. It was the big game on my little Sunday ticket game mix that I watched on Sunday. Tell you something right now. I don't want to hear not not a peep, not a word, not a murmur from any Jet fan talking about about the refs and the refs screwing us and the refs robbing us. It, it, stop, okay, stop. Franklin Fra- Franklin Myers made the same stupid penalty in the Bengal game where they had a chance to get off the field third and long, stupid asinine blindside hit, or it might have been blindside, I can't remember, but a bad hit, ill timed unsmart hit against on Joe Burrow in week three when the Bengals offense started out the gate late. That penalty gave them life, and the Bengals never looked back. Okay, so it's like that it's his first time with his hand getting caught in the cookie jar, you know, with that penalty. We can quibble, we can debate till the cows come home. If we honestly, in our heart of hearts, as football fans think that's rough in the passer, you can debate, and I would most likely agree with you that it probably that it's probably one of the less vicious hit late hits on the QB in which we've seen this season and overall within the last five years. But the rule is the rule. The fact that he the fact that he hit and pushed Mac Jones in the back well after the ball had been released from his hand, it's going to draw a flag and going to draw a penalty every single time. We can debate whether or not it was dirty, whether or not it's truly roughing the passer as far as bringing, as far as causing the health of quarterback into uh, into question. But what we do know is that it was a late hit, and Jones didn't see it coming. It was blindside, right in his back, where he couldn't see, where he couldn't protect himself, couldn't brace himself, prepare himself for the hit. That which we that is what we do know. When the ball is out of his hand and there's one Mississippi, two Mississippi, bam. That's going to draw a flag. Totally negated a pick six, which would have put the which would have put the Patriots up. I believe it would have put the Patriots up. Uh, it would have put them up. Uh, it would have put them up seventeen to six. Jets would have been flying, but they would have been up seventeen to six. Heading into halftime, pick six gets called back. Or excuse me, 17-3. Pick six gets called back. 
Patriots get a field goal. They're down four instead of being down 14. But the Jets got to bounce back from that. And I want to hear a Jet fan moan and groan and complain. Letter of the law, that was rough in the passer. We can debate whether or not how serious of, 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 of the of the infraction is, and we can debate the road to the cows come home. But when you well, when you hit or shove or strike a quarterback in the back well after the ball's been out of his hand, where he can't see, where he can't defend himself, that's going to draw a flag every single time. Period. End of story. No questions asked. That's going to be called a penalty. And that is undisciplined football that Coach Salah Salah allows, or he, or if he's not allowing it, he certainly is uh, enabling it to happen. And it's just piss poor, bad, undisciplined football on the part of Franklin Myers, because you can't allow that to happen. It turned the game directly on its ear. Again, seventeen three instead of ten six. If he doesn't shove Jones in the back, hit him in the back. And as for Zach Wilson, you got to get it together, man. Four, 20 of 41, 355, and three interceptions. I mean, and those were some hideous, hideous, what the hell are you doing throws from Zach Wilson. Hideous. And if he doesn't cut that crap out, the Jets, who are at 5-3, and three, that could make the playoffs, he may not have long. Not just in the 2022 season, but maybe for the but maybe you know further on down the road, if he is the reason, if he continues to be the reason why the Jets lose these games, because his quarterback play has been bad. Throw the Pittsburgh game out the window. Yeah, he has been very, very bad this season. Very bad. Now, if he done cut down the turnovers, it's like every single time the play breaks down, his instinct is to drop further and further and further and further and further and further and further back into the pocket, rolls out, does this, does that, and then just says, ah, screw it, and he just chucks it up in the hopes that a jet, that a jet receiver comes down with the football. You're not going to last in this league long enough, or excuse me, you're not going to last in this league very long making making decisions like that. His decision-making is horrendous. Horrendous. And they also are another football team that's trigger-happy to abandon the run. Take the pressure off of him a little bit. Huh? Bill Belichick, second all-time behind George Hallis, passes him. All-time career wins as NFL head coach. And the Patriots once again take care of business against the New York Jets. We take a break. We will continue with the Week 8 Recap, the I'm Tell It Like a T.I.S. podcast.
Welcome back to the um to the, the I'ma tell like it to the I'ma tell it like a TIS podcast. We go through the other four games to discuss here on this Tuesday program with the and we will begin this segment with the Philadelphia Eagles, who are head and shoulders not head and shoulders, but they are the best team in the National Football League. We can sit up here and argue. Bottom line is when you're seven and zero, and the seven and zero trumps what six and one. The the Philadelphia Eagles are the. I understand schedule a little bit different. You know the 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 uh, the Bills have had to play the Ravens. They've had to play Kansas City. They've had to play the Rams. So you know, depending on who you ask, if you sit there and say, "Well, the Buffalo Bills best team," because of I won't argue with that, but I and you can call it shallow, you can call it whatever you want. Seven and zero, they're undefeated as undefeated. We all know that the Bills are the best team in the AFC, but undefeated, undefeated as undefeated, they are the best team in the National Football League. Undefeated, seven and zero. We'll see if they can continue uh, their good fortune coming up and what could be a potential trap game for them. Short week on the road against Houston on Thursday night in two days. But as for what they did against the Pittsburgh Steelers in this uh, Keystone State battle, uh, Jalen Hurts, I mean, what a hell of a season he's had to begin. 19-28, uh, 285 passing yards, four touchdown passes. A.J. Brown, a thing of beauty uh, at wide receiver he is. Three touchdown receptions all in the first half. Six receptions, 156 yards receiving. Uh, Miles Sanders, nine carries, 78 yards on the ground. A sensational afternoon for the Philadelphia Eagles offense. Scored uh, 21 first half, who scored 21 first half points. Uh, just dominated uh, Pittsburgh in all aspects. Uh, they were able to run the foot. They were able to, uh, the passing game obviously was off the charts. Quarterback play. Uh, and of course, the defense went out there and hunted uh, Kenny Pickett, twenty-five for thirty-eight, one ninety-one passing, one interception. Pittsburgh only put the Pittsburgh only put together one, uh, one uh, solid offensive drive in the game. It was in the first half, uh, responding off of an Eagles touchdown, where they in turn marched down the field, thirteen plays, seventy-five yards, seven twenty-eight in time. Uh, nice, uh, nice uh, play calling for Matt Canada, which only lasted for a drive. Pittsburgh Steelers offense only showed up for a drive, and then from that point forward, they couldn't find an answer for AJ Brown. It was a uh, short and forgettable afternoon for the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
uh, as they lose the game 35-13. Two and six, last place in the AFC North by, by, uh, by two games. One and four on the season away from Heinz Field with the one win on the road coming, of course, week one against my Cincinnati Bengals. Eagles 7-0, 4-0 at Lincoln Financial Field. Undefeated, they have an opportunity to go 8-0, win two games in five days with their Thursday night game coming up against the lowly uh, Houston Texans coming up on Thursday, a game that I highly anticipate them uh, high anticipate them winning. The Texans are offensive to the senses. They stink. A team, one of the worst teams in the National Football League this season. It happened for the last two, three seasons. Last, not three seasons, for the last two seasons. Uh, so it should be uh, easy. It, you would think and you would imagine it'd be easy pickings for the Philadelphia Eagles. But, you know, the trap game with it being a short week and nobody in America giving the Houston Texans a chance in hell to win. You know, you would be, I would advise the Philadelphia Eagles and Nick Sirianna to be on high alert. And he, what a job he's done coaching this uh, Philadelphia Eagles football team. Many were not high on him when he started with his with his weird introductory press conference when he was hired. Me raising my hand being one of them. But what a job he's done. He's got these guys believing in each other. The culture within this team is electric. It, it literally is, you're literally seeing the Philadelphia Eagles from that 2017 team, just with just with a different cast of characters. Same GM, but different cast of characters. You're seeing Jalen Hurts, who like Carson Wentz in the Super Bowl season, looks like he's the MVP of the league. I understand Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, but he by far is. If you were to like they do in baseball, split the MVP up between have you know making a conference award. AL MVP versus NL MVP, AFC MVP versus NFC MVP. If there was such thing as an NFC MVP, Jalen Hurts would be by far, well, next to Michael Parsons, but would be the leader in the clubhouse MVP in the NFC. By far, he's the best quarterback in the conference as of right now in this 2022 NFL season. He's had a remarkable season. And then you and then you factor in the fact you know you factor in the wide receivers that 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 seventeen team had with you factor in Aguilar you factor you know tight end with Ertz and now it's Goddard it, it literally it, it I'm not saying that the Eagles are going to the Super Bowl per se they certainly are a Super Bowl contender right now hell they're seven and zero and running not running away but they have a commanding lead over the. They have a commanding lead over the Dallas Cowboys for first place within the division. Not to mention they currently have tiebreaker over Dallas. But this, I see a lot of similarities. Hertz and Hertz and Wentz, uh, a, a a young, well not young, but a fun head coach that takes chances, smart chances. Got, uh, that that's created a phenomenal culture within the locker room. It was Peterson five years, and now five years later, it's Nick Sirianni. You know they they're smart. They they're they are they can be they can be reckless at times, but the aggression with with their decisions on going for it and going for two and fourth down, you you like what you've seen, and they've been very good on fourth. And they and in the game, they were one of one on fourth down, seven to twelve on third downs in the game on Sunday. 
a lot uh, opportunistic defense that forces a lot of turnovers. Hell of a secondary. Of course, they had uh, Malcolm Jenkins, the leader of that secondary back in the 17 team five years ago. Darius Slay is 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 the alpha dog amongst that amongst that secondary for this team this year. A lot of similarities between the between the the, the the seventeen Eagles team and where they were through seven eight games of the season last year and the and where this Eagles team is this year a lot of similarities and again give Harry Howie Roseman all the credit in the world for constructing this roster deserves tremendous he's had his moments where you know it, he where you were justified in firing him. But but like the but like uh, but like uh, the Allens with the Seahawks and and Lurie with the Eagles, they they're being rewarded for their patience, because they because both times you you were justified in canning Roseman and in canning uh, 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 Snyder with the uh, John Schneider with the uh, Seahawks and their patience has been rewarded with the excellent product that both teams. That are going in, that not that were that were in two totally different sets of circumstances that are that for that are ascending to levels that we didn't expect they were to ascend to when 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 the season began back in early September. But the Eagles, by far best team in the NFC and and arguably the best team in the National Football League through seven weeks. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers, though, are a team to be reckoned with as well uh, as a big-time team in the NFC. The thing is with the 49ers, and we've said it a lot, they're 4-3, or excuse me, they're 4-4. Four four. It's funny how, how the 49ers are 4-4, four and, four and their fans are on cloud nine, and the Bengals are 4-4, four and, four and we... Feel like we're in the you know resting at at the scum of the earth right now. It's just funny how how it's just funny how that works and how that goes. But the 49ers who are four and four beat the living piss out of the Rams. What else is new? They're playing in a regular season. 49ers are going to make sure they get theirs against the L.A. Rams. And likes the Fansky and Zach Taylor, Kyle Shanahan does his best work. Uh, when, when he's going up when he's going up against Sean McVay, culture circles around him ad infinitum. The problem is the, an excellent bounce back victory after their forty four to twenty three beatdown at the hands of Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs week before. The problem is with the San Francisco Forty ers is that they beat the crap out of the Rams and then they go and then they lay and then they lay an egg the next week. You know. 24-9 victory on Monday night back on October the 3rd and then they lay, and then 2 weeks later they look like crap against against Atlanta. Okay, they got they got the uh, Chargers in their building on Sunday night this week. Or excuse me, after their after their bye, I apologize. After their bye November 13th, what are they going to do? Lay an egg against Kyler Murray and the inferior Cardinals the week after. So the thing is with San Francisco that frustrates the hell out of you watching them play objectively from an objective standpoint is that they look like world beaters against teams that they need to beat in order to be in order to be uh, uh, per, per, perceived by the public. You know you got to beat the Rams if you want to prove to the world that you're big that you're a big time football team. Yet they play like garbage against teams that they should beat by no less than 17 points. Atlanta, you know, being a being a first example. 
So, which is just very, very, very frustrating with 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 San Francisco because they look like because they they look like Super Bowl contenders again with the best team in the NFL against the Rams, and then a week or so later they play like crap against inferior competition. That's something they're going to have to fix if they if they want to take if they want everybody to take them seriously as Super Bowl contender. They have to fix that. Because, because being inconsistent up and down like that, you'll it'll get you to the playoffs. But more times than not, you won't be hoisting up the Vincent Barty Trophy when it's all said and done. But getting off the beaten path, take care of business. They beat the Rams, thirty-one fourteen. Christian McCaffrey, what an afternoon he had! Threw for threw for a touchdown pass, caught a touchdown pass, ran for a touchdown. Eighteen carries, ninety-four yards on the ground, and had eight receptions, fifty-five yards. On the day as well, what I mean, it's almost as if you know you bring Chris McCaffrey in, and who needs Debo Samuel? I say that facetiously, but uh, no Debo Samuel. You bring in CMC, fresh legs. Hey, I mean, it's 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 like it's like Debo Samuel who killed the Rams in the first game. It's it's like the Rams didn't, or excuse me, the 49ers didn't even miss him. He took over the game and played so well. And you know, Kyle Shanahan, who you know is a genius play designer. Managing a game, uh, managing a game clock, a little iffy, but he's very good as far as play calling and designing plays and making sure that his best players on offense get involved in the offensive game plan and and, and and get their hands on the football. We saw it a ton with Debo Samuel when they played him back on back uh, about a month ago, and you saw it with CMC on Sunday. Does a tremendous job of that. That's one of his strengths. That's one of the best things he's good at. Uh, as you know, being an offensive coach in the National Football League, the problem is will CMC stay healthy and will Jimmy Garoppolo play mistake-free football? Twenty-one to twenty-five, two thirty-five, two touchdowns, no interceptions, clean game. They need a clean game from Jimmy G and a healthy CMC. This place, is going, this team's going to go places. Seattle. Who they have to, who they hold tiebreaker over, but Seattle's five and three, 49ers are four and four, and just Forty ers got to no pressure, but they got to make sure that they, you know, they, that they watch their p's and q's. For instance, I, I, they should not. There's no excuse for them to lose to Arizona on Monday night, November twenty first. None. I mean, they literally. Miami's a hard game, I grant you, but no excuses. They 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 shouldn't lose. They should lose at minimum one game the rest of the season. They no excuse why they literally can't run the table. They're that talented on offense and on defense. They're that talented. And speaking of the Seahawks, the team that the 49ers are trying to chase in the NFC West, they're five and three. Who would have thought after eight weeks the Seattle Seahawks of all teams being five and three? And I told you that this that they were going to stop the Giants' win streak dead in their tracks because this Seattle Seahawks team is that not said the Giants aren't that well coached, but they are just on a train and just on a roll right now where you just cannot stop them unless you're uh, unless you're on a short list of teams that are head and shoulders better than the Seattle Seahawks right now. Unless you're the Philadelphia Eagles, Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs, arguably maybe the Dallas Cowboys, you, you you're not you, you're not going to and throwing the Miami Dolphins, you're not going to beat this 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 Seattle Seahawks team because they're good. 
They're good. Kenneth Walker, pedestrian day running the football. Very good young running back who they're going to have for a long time, part of their future. Tyler Lockett, who had a rough afternoon. But what is Geno? Geno fumbled a fumbled a reception that that gave the Giants a short field inside the red zone. He dropped a wide he dropped a wide open walk in touchdown reception. What does Geno Smith do to his credit? And you can and then you and again going back to the point that I made, drawing the parallels between uh, the Eagles and the Seahawks and their unexpected unexpected uh, uh, sensational success this season. The parallels, culture with Pete Carroll. Team believes in each other. They they, they don't worry about personal stats, personal uh, personal uh, 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 accolades. They play selfish together. T A M T E A M football team, full eleven one through fifty three one through forty six man football, unselfish. And it, and it's a healthy, healthy culture up in Seattle. What does Geno Smith do? Like it rough afternoon, fumbles, drops a pass. What does he do? He talks him. This Geno Smith now. Geno Smith, head to head, better resume. Ty Lockett, better historically, better wide receiver than Geno Smith is a quarterback. But ego aside, ego aside, and, 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 and legacy aside, humbles himself. Swallows his two slices of humble pie. What does Geno Smith do? Great leader. Goes up to Tyler. Talks him up. Says, you know what? Don't worry about it, man. Shake it off. Brush it off. I ain't going to give up. I ain't going to give up on you. You make sure you don't give up on yourself. I'm going to come right back to you. What does he do? Comes back. Tyler Lockett catches a touchdown pass. I mean, it, it honestly was a thing of beauty to watch. Like you saw in the Charger game week before with Seattle. Geno Smith, rough afternoon. Things aren't going his way. Pete gets his attention, tells him to relax, tells him to calm down. What does Geno Smith do? Bounce back, has a hell of a game. Seattle drops 30-plus points on the Los Angeles Chargers of all teams. And they, walk out of, and they walk out of there with a blowout victory. What a, And they're 3-1 and one at home, the Seahawks are. 3-1. and one. They, what, what, they had what? Two seasons where they were vulnerable at home. Now all of a sudden you can't beat the Seattle Seahawks up in Seattle again. Had two seasons. In 2020 when they had no fans. And last year. Two seasons where they were vulnerable at home. And now they're right back to being the big, bad, vaunted Seattle Seahawks team again. Not not as many superstar uh, remote stopper names. You know, Russell Wilson's, the Marshawn Lynch, the... The, the Bobby Wagners of the world, the, of course, the Richard Shermans, the Cam Chances of the world, Jamal Adams is hurt for the re- and gone for the Those guys are out. So less, less, you know, all pros and pro bowlers up and down that roster. But they're just, but they're still as as much of a hard team to beat now as they were three, four, five years ago, six, seven, eight years ago. I'm not saying Super Bowl contender. I'm just saying the love of respect that you once had for the Seahawks if you're an opponent getting ready to play them, that re- that respect that opponents had for them back in their Legion of Boom prime Russell Wilson days, you got to bring it, 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 it. It's back. It was gone for one year, and it's back like, it's, like it never left. Thus, they're 5-3.
and being a very good Giants team. Very good Giants team. But Geno Smith, 23-34, two touchdowns, took care of the football, uh, and, and they just hung in there, battle of attrition, war of attrition, and they won in the end. Giants hung around, hung around, hung around, but couldn't capitalize off of the Seahawks' mistakes early. Couldn't capitalize. Daniel Jones wasn't great, got sacked five times. Sa- Saquon Barkley couldn't get, couldn't get anything going in the run game, and Seattle took advantage of it. It was a grind them out game, and Seattle walked out on top. Thus, they're 5-3 and three and still in first place in the, AFC, in the NFC West. And finally, the Buffalo Bills and the Green Bay Packers. The, the thing that would concern me, the Buffalo Bills, if you thought that the Buffalo Bills played a great, played a great game, played a, just played a, and put on a virtuoso performance on Sunday night. You you are you you didn't watch the same game I watched. You, and you are and you are clearly not paying attention. The buff the Buffalo Bills were did not put on a uh, a. Let's put it this way: this is not this that was not one of the Buffalo Bills' better uh, performances from their wins this season. They that 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 was that was not a performance that walking away you 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 know you're pumping up your chest and you know jumping through tables Bills Mafia that was a game that we were great we won the game but that was bad that was bad that was bad we gotta clean this up this up this up this up this up if we want to go to where we want to go because that was a game that if because that was a game right there that if the Bills were playing last year's Packers team the 2019 Packers team. Or the 2020 Packers, that's a game the Buffalo Bills lose. If they're playing the 2020, or if they're playing the 2021, the 2020, or the 2019 Packers. That's a game that they lose or they're lucky to get out of there winning by a field goal. That's not a game that the, that the Packers win by 10 points. And, and, and that, or excuse me, that the Bills win by 10 points and the Packers and the, and, and, and the Packers Somehow, some and the Packers lose by uh, lose by uh, by two scores. Last year's team, 2020-2019. The pre the previous three years, the Green Bay Packers would have at 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 minimum lost that game by a field goal or a touchdown. I'm convinced they would have won. The reason why that they didn't is because this Packers team is not that good. Not that good as far as how they're coached, and not that good and and talent rise up and down on talent wise when you go up and down their roster. They're not as good as they as they've been in years past. They aren't. And a more talented and or a better coach Packers team, I'd probably say a better ta- a more a more talented a more talented Packers team. The ones that we've seen in years past. They win that game on Sunday night. The Buffalo Bills were sloppy. Sloppy down the stretch. Two back-to-back possessions. Josh Allen throws two bonehead ass interceptions. Why he's trying to throw the football and trying to get cute and try to get too fancy, I have no idea. If the play's not there, Josh, either run it or throw the ball up into the fifth row. Why You're throwing the football when you should be trying to run out the clock is, is, is problematic enough. But, I mean, come on. You're throwing the football. Know what the hell you're doing with it. If not... Chuck the football 
up up into up into the upper section up into the uh, the, the section right in front of you because uh, the Buffalo Bills were playing with fire in the second half playing with fire two stupid mistakes from Josh Allen and they and they allowed and they allowed the Green Bay Packers to you know to 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 gain significant momentum and and gain uh, yards running the football with Aaron Jones, twenty carries, one forty three, and they had Aaron Rodgers look like his MVP self with a couple of nice throws. I might add too, in the second half. So yeah, much talented Packers team wins that game. They the the Buffalo Bills did not play a full clean sixty minutes. Uh, Worth a dominant football like they had, like they've had in their wins in the past, like against the Rams, like they've like they've had against the Rams, like they've had against the against Tennessee. Ill-advised throws and mistakes late in the game could come back to bite you in the ass. You know, they, I tell you, they pull that crap against Kansas City again, or they pull that crap against that you put you put how the Bills. Closed out the second half in their game against Kansas City a few weeks ago. They lose that game against Kansas City. Because you can't be reckless and careless like that with the football against Kansas City. And expect to win games. And the playoffs. I don't care if you're playing at Orchard Park, Arrowhead, or on the moon. You're not winning. Even if you aren't. Even if whatever reason, you know. In an early round, you're playing, I don't know, Baltimore, whoever. You're not, you know, no. You're going to get away with making mistakes like that and expect to win. So if you're a Bills fan, you want McDermott and your team to still not lose focus and still, you know, keep their eyes on the prize and keep them focused because they, they, were, they, were, getting, they were getting a little bit too cute, getting a little bit too big for their britches and playing with fire. And against a better Packer team, more talented Packers team, a better coached Packers team, they lose that game. And it comes back full circle to bite them in the ass. Lucky for lucky for Buffalo, it did not. We take a break. We'll close out the program. This is the Amtilica TIS podcast. Welcome back to the Amatella Cotillas podcast. We get to the World Series uh, as it resumes tonight after a rainout on uh, Monday night. Now we got the series, and it will create an interesting scenario where the Astros, of course, the two teams being the Astros and the Phillies, Houston versus Philadelphia, will go up against Houston and Philadelphia on Thursday night football with the aforementioned Eagles taking on the uh Houston Texans in uh Houston on Thursday uh on Houston on Thursday um that it would uh let me see cuz I believe cuz you got it's three games Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday so and it will create and it will avoid the the catastrophic logistics 
of having both games of from you know the two cities Philadelphia and Houston take place in the two uh take place you know in the same city at the same time the series uh the series uh if we do have a uh, no we'll have a fifth game what am I talking about game 5 which will be played on Thursday night will be in Philadelphia uh same night same time as the Thursday night game will be played down in Houston and if the roles were reversed where if it was a where if it was an Eagles home game or if the or if the Phillies had home field advantage instead of the Astros it could it could have made for a disastrous situation to where probably either the World Series game would probably have been played a little earlier uh, would have had been played a little earlier with, and you know, to, because you know the NFL ain't moving for no, the NFL ain't moving for nobody. So it would, which would have probably put baseball in a situation where they would have had to move the game earlier, play the game, say you know three and a half, four hours earlier. You know, the, the old heads would appreciate an afternoon World Series, an afternoon uh, World Series game, and have basically the football take you know. Right after the fact, have the World Series start at four and have the football game start at uh start at eight. But luckily for the Major League Baseball and the NFL, they don't have to worry about that problem. Although I did read somewhere that because the game is on, obviously the Thursday night game is on Amazon Prime, and with every local market that the game, every local market that the game is in, it's also simulcasted on on you know on over the air television on a local. Uh, local network television station, whichever you know, with within the two uh, markets, you know, of which the game's being played. So, for instance, uh, you know, the Ravens were on Thursday night last week, and I believe the game was shown over the air on WMAR, which is the local uh, ABC affiliate here uh, in Baltimore. So, and I read that I think Houston and uh, Philadelphia, that the Thursday night game will be simulcasted on over-the-air TV via their local Fox station. And, of course, Fox does the World Series, which makes for a dilemma. I'm not positive on that. I'm not sure on that. I read that courtesy of Andrew Marsh on the New York Post on Twitter on Monday night, uh, which uh, which I found to be an interesting development. But anyway, getting back to the World Series, and it's and it sucks because you know if there was a game last, if there was a game on Monday night, it'd give me something to chew on and give me another game to recap. The only thing I can do is is give you my quick little two cents on a game that was what about four days ago, three four days ago down in Houston, the game two. Astros, of course, as I anticipated, bouncing back, winning game two after I predicted correctly, courtesy of JT Real Muto with his with his extra inning opposite field home run in the tenth inning. Uh, the Phillies taking game one, Astros bouncing back, taking game two on Saturday, five two victory. Bregman with the uh, Bregman, the only home run of the game. Uh, with a three-run bottom of the first inning and a two-run bottom of the fifth, and the Houston Astros never looked back as they got a phenomenal effort from uh, Valdez, who went uh, six and a third of four-hit, one-run, uh, nine-strikeout baseball, walked three batters back into bullpen. Montero and Presley got the job done, each giving up a hit, but both, uh, uh, but both not allowing an earned run. Meanwhile, Zach Wheeler, five innings, six six hits, five runs, four of them earned, walked three batters, gave up the home run to Bregman. 
that he hit in the uh, that he hit in the fifth inning with a two-run home run, which he hit in the fifth inning uh, with two out. Wheeler did a solid job bouncing back uh, for a little while uh, after the three after the three-run second inning, but he gave up two more in the in the in the, Ash, in the Houston bottom of the fifth and. With a quiet offensive uh, night of production from the Phillies' bats, two runs on only six hits, and were held scoreless through six and got their first run of the game in the top of the seventh inning. Uh, you know the runs that you give up, the, the only you only have the two bad innings. But if the two bad innings are you know aren't supplemented by uh, by your bats backing you up. Uh, one through nine, that your your two your one or two bad innings is going to get amplified with the lack of offense production. But the series does resume on Tuesday night tonight in Philadelphia. Uh, game three with uh, McCullers on the mound, go with McCullers on the mound for Houston, going on taking on Suarez one zero with a one zero record, one point eight six ERA in the postseason. McCullers yet to have a decision during this current postseason, but he does have a two point four five ERA and thirteen strikeouts for Houston throughout the postseason run. That was Houston's first, by the way, first loss of their entire postseason run. They're eight and one. Uh, the, throughout their out throughout their uh, first nine playoff games, their first loss to the postseason uh, occurred, of course, obviously with their game one loss. We'll see if they can take a two one series lead and do what the Braves couldn't do, what the what the Padres couldn't do, uh, and that's win a game, uh, and that's win a couple of games at Citizens Bank Park up in Philadelphia, where the home field advantage has been completely off the charts for Philly throughout this uh, throughout their playoff run. That crowd is going to be into it. They are going to be there. They're going to be loud. They're going to be rambunctious. Uh, just to see right now for kicks and giggles what the weather is going to be like uh, in Philadelphia uh, by the time the game starts. A very warm day for the, uh, it was a high of 70 degrees today here in Baltimore. Uh, and and, look, and the temperatures are going to be in the 60s and 70s throughout next week, throughout next Thursday. So, which is an absolute uh, blessing. Typically, once November 1st comes, so does winter. But for the moment, uh, now we are still blessed with the nice warm weather, of uh, the nice warm weather of uh, of uh, of fall here as we reach into the second to last month of the calendar year. A game time temperature looks like sixty two degrees. It's going to be windy up to thirteen miles an hour, but clear skies up in the sixties, and it looks like it will be a glorious day. Nice weather, too, because they'll get 69 and sunny, low at 53 on Wednesday, a little chillier on Thursday, but no rain scheduled uh, in the forecast. They should do them a favor and schedule a, a schedule a day game. Why not? With the nice weather, take advantage of it. But he got game three. He honestly will never do that, but I'm just, you know, uh, thinking out loud here. But game three tonight, McCullers versus Suarez. Uh, be interested to see how well these two teams do coming off this little mini break that they've had. There are no more, you know, outside and after Friday. Friday with, of course, Friday being the travel day with it being pushed back. But it's Tuesday, Wednesday. It's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then, if necessary, Saturday and Sunday down in Houston if we have a game six and seven that we would need that play to be necessary. But it's all systems go here. Uh, two days off back-to-back, of course, with the travel day on Sunday. And then the washout on Monday. Very intrigued to see if any team starts out flat. Both teams. Astros, of course, uh, you know, having Astros, of course, having it, you know, first road game and first 
you know, and having to deal with that Philly crowd, it'll, you know, will it be a culture shock to them? Be interested in seeing that factoring the two days off if they come out flat. And then in Philadelphia, will they be clicking on all cylinders and essentially feed off of the energy of that crowd uh, to squash any any uh, any uh, any uh, evidence of of coming out the gate flat with the with the game two loss on Saturday night and then the two days off in between? I expect Philadelphia to bounce back. Win to win. I expect Philadelphia to bounce back. Win tonight. The Astros win game four. And then game five would be an abs- and then game five would be an absolute toss up. I I would I I I think I give you a prediction right now. I think by the time we reconvene on Friday, I think there will be a series. Not a series. There will be a game to be played on Saturday night. I think I think the series goes back to Houston for one more game. One more game. I don't anticipate a game seven on next Sunday, but I think this series goes back to Houston one more time. I don't see the Phillies winning three straight home games. Now it sounds crazy. I know it sounds quote unquote blasphemous to the Philadelphia sports fan to say that, but I find it hard to believe that the Astros, who went seven games without losing a without losing a postseason game, that they all of a sudden they're going they'll lose three in a row on the road and lose it and go away quietly in five games to the Philadelphia Phillies. Great, not to say that not no knock against Philadelphia, but the Astros are too good of a team. To good morning, good afternoon, good night, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in Philadelphia. When they went. And and they still are perfect. Well, they still have a perfect record on the road. Didn't lose on the road against Seattle, and didn't lose a game on the road up in the up at up in the Bronx. So they still are undefeated on the road in the postseason. Seven and zero without a loss. I find it hard to believe they'll. Crash and burn and lose three straight. Not to say that the Phillies can't win the series. I'm just saying I don't anticipate the Phillies winning this series at Citizens Bank Park. I don't see it. Trade deadline. Listen, and I'll deep give a deep dive into uh, into it on uh, Friday. Real, just quick, right off the top. Uh, Dolphins build the defense and Bradley Chubb. Uh, they all the draft picks that they got, you know, with the that in the trade that they had with the 49ers that ended up getting them, uh, that did that ended up getting them the 49ers draft and trading up to get Trey Lance. They basically have used the used the draft picks they got back as capital to, to go through with these trades. Uh, Bradley Chubb's a hell of an addition to their defense. Uh, Broncos part way part ways with him. Calvin Ridley, in all irony, who bet the who, who bet the Jaguars to lose the game, uh, which is why he got suspended. He is now a Jacksonville Jaguar in the most hilarious set of uh, scenarios uh, of this trade deadline. Uh, Roquan Smith, I mentioned him during the rant. The Ravens had him earlier this week to to get their defense. The Ravens need desperate help. Not desperate help, but they need some help, help and depth at linebacker. They add him. 
Chase Claypool goes from the Steelers to the Bears to give uh to give Justin Fields someone to throw to. Uh, and the uh, Bills basically give up next to nothing to uh, get to grab Naheem Hines, who uh, was uh, Jonathan Taylor's partner in crime in Indianapolis. They had him to try to bolster their rushing attack uh, as well uh, for Buffalo. I'll go deep in depth, and T and TJ Hawkinson goes to uh, goes to the Vikings. Uh, for a 2023 fourth rounder and a conditional 2024 fourth round uh, draft pick, or that's what the uh, that's what the Vikings get in return. Get that's what the Vikings get. They gave up a 2023 second round, uh, second round draft pick on a 2024 third rounder to get them. Uh, so TJ Hawkinson, which I thought was going to be a player, one of the few offensive players that, that the uh, that the Bear, that the Alliance might build around, I guess not. Vikings get him to add some help at the tight end uh, position. A couple of takeaways uh, from the uh, deadline: uh, the Packers need you know need wide receiver help, but what are they going to do? Get get into a bidding war with the Bears to get Chase Claypool, who stinks, who who Steelers fans have been begging for years to get rid of. You know, who I saw a tweet, my guy urinating tree. What I think he said, million dollar talent, ten cent head. You want him uh, with Aaron Rodgers and Dylan, and that dynamic with those two uh, combative personalities. They're in cap hell. Basically, the Packers couldn't do anything because. Because they had no room to do anything in cap hell, and what are we gonna do? Trade away your future for Ch- Clay for Chase Claypool? I mean, that's not exactly you know football one on one. If you're a uh, Brian Gunikis and the member in the front office members of the uh, Green Bay Packers organization, uh, and the Giants did a good job standing pat and not doing anything. Granted, they're six and two, and they have an opportunity to make the playoffs in a wide open NFC. Next sentence: They are rebuilding. They're not a Super Bowl. Con- they're not. They're not the Eagles. They're not the. They're not the San Francisco Forty ers They're not. Dare I say the Dallas Cowboys? In the, they're not the Minnesota Vikings. You know, as in the Super Bowl. Can they're not a part of? Albeit record may think may say one thing, but in reality, they're not a part of that collective group of teams that are Super Bowl contenders and are ready to win now in this 2022. NFL season. So I'll bet they're six and two playing for a playoff spot and they would and if the stars were were to align and a miracle of miracles that happened, they'd win a Super Bowl this year. There's not a single Giants fan on the planet that would that wouldn't take them going to and or winning the Super Bowl this season. But in all objective reality, they're not a Super Bowl contending team in the NFC under any stretch of circumstances. So they did the right decision. Uh, Shane did uh, excellent job by him, standing pat, holding on to your future draft capital so you can continue to build up this team. Because Lord knows, Lord knows, you need talent at the wide receiver position. Continue to rebuild the offensive line. Couple of playmakers on defense, and eventually you're gonna have to get yourself a franchise quarterback. Because albeit Daniel Jones played well this season, anyone with good sense knows he's not the long-term answer at QB for the Giants. So hold on to your draft capital. Capital, excuse me. Use it come next spring. You don't use it as trading chips. You know, to move heaven and earth to get a couple of players that may be on your team for all but what two, three months. So the Giants did a good decision, uh, holding firm and just riding this, riding this wave out, which is the which for a rebuilding team is the right decision. 
if the team isn't good enough to make the playoffs, they're not good enough to make the playoffs. You're rebuilding. It's not the end of the world. Stand pat, and you basically just see how far this wave takes you. You can argue whether or not, you know, to trade Saquon Barkley. You know, you can you can decent argument with that because his value, honestly, has never been higher. But, you know, at the same time, he's one of the reasons why this team is, is you know, is 6-2. Not to mention, not to mention, the Giants could be interested in uh, in uh, extending him once the season is over. So keep that in mind as well. So I'll go a little deep, find a couple of NFL trades and a couple of uh, facets of the trade deadline to chew on for Friday's show. Throw in the NBA with this whole situation with Steve Nash getting canned, which I saw earlier today. Not enough time in the show having to scream and yell about the Bengals and the deadline and the World Series and the recap. Week eight, uh, uh, week eight Tuesday recap. So I will get into Nash and the Nets. I will get into Ime Udoka being a leading candidate to get the job. In depth, find a couple things at a deadline with between now and Friday to chew on, and of course the uh, and of course game three, four, and five recap of the World Series come Friday. The next the the, the next off day in the series. And throw in, of course, the Week 9 preview. So a lot busy show uh, in store for you on Friday. I hope you come along for the ride and join us. So that is another episode of the I'm Telling TIS podcast in the books. If you like what you heard, new to the program, please don't hesitate to subscribe. Follow your boy on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield For Jay Shields, I will talk to you guys on Friday. By the way, real quick, and keep the Justin Timberlake on. Poll question of the episode: Are the Cincinnati is the Cincinnati Bengals season over? Poll question available exclusively on the channel's uh, page on the podcast channels page, exclusively on the Spotify app. Can't find it on iHeart, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Only on the Spotify app is the Bengals season over. And the Q and A: Who's the third best team in the AFC? Talk to you Friday.